Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. So today we're going to be talking about, does God hear our prayers? And I don't know about you, but I've actually experienced those fiery darts. And tell me the truth. Where you just wonder if God's even hearing you. I mean, let's face it, there's a lot going on in the world. Everywhere, Everywhere we look. And you know, just like was prophesied, Lawlessness is increasing. Have you noticed? I mean, lawlessness is increasing. And everything that, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the divine breath of God was foretold is literally happening now. And I know people say, well, all generations have thought these were, this was the end days and these were the last days. But let's face it, we're closer than we were then. So... In all that's happening now, it's so easy to feel insignificant. And Lord, I mean, you've got kingdoms and rulers and authorities and nations to deal with. And why would you hear little old me? How could I be important? But I'm going to prove to you today that he does hear our prayers. And I'm going to start with telling you that even Jesus had that temptation because that's what it is. It's a temptation to believe a lie. In Psalm 22, 1 and 2, prophesying the future crucifixion of the Son of God, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There were seven last sayings on the cross. This was one of them. But this is prophesied 2,000 years before it ever happens. Maybe you would think that he actually is the word. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? Have you ever thought that? And so far from the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you answer not. And by night, I am not silent or find no rest. That's how Jesus Felt. But maybe the difference between you and me and him is that he did not submit to that lie. But, you know, I always tell people because it's true. God gave his emotions for a reason. Now, there's good reasons like laughter and joy and happiness and those wonderful things. But our emotions are also a check your engine light. Something's off. Maybe you're running low on oil, the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're low on fuel because you've stayed out of the word of God. I can't afford to stay out of the word of God for even a day. I cannot. I mean, you want to see somebody go down real fast, that would be me. And so when that check engine light comes on, we need to check our spiritual engine. And so I'm going to begin by reading you some Old Testament scriptures proving that God does hear us. 
But be, not, be aware of the lies that God is an absentee father, that he, is, uh, he has abandoned us, he's an indifferent father, or he's way too busy. I cannot remember the name of the movie. Maybe if you, if you remember the name of the movie, shout it out. And I want to say it was Jim Carrey, but I'm not even sure about that. But it was a movie where God, because of some things he said, let him be God for the day. Oh, Bruce Almighty, that was it. Thank you. Was it Jim Carrey? Yeah. And I was thinking about this morning about that movie because my favorite part of the movie, and I literally don't remember any other thing. Obviously, I could not remember the name of the movie. But there was a scene where all of a sudden God lets him hear the millions and millions and millions of prayers of everybody all over the earth. And it was driving me like, whoa, because just voices, 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 everywhere there were millions. And you know, for us, that's impossible because we're finite, but he's infinite. I love it when God told Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? So be careful what you say. And so I went through a period, and sometimes still do, where I hear those lies. Well, you know, he doesn't hear. I mean, he's too busy. And I bet you do too. Because it's the lie of the garden. It's the lie of the garden. God knows. God knows. (laughs) You know, whenever you hear that lying voice say, God knows, you better beware. Because a lie is going to follow that. So, first of all, let's establish that God does hear us. And the lie is always sent to make us doubt so that we won't pray or so that we'll give up or so that our prayers will be watered down and we'll get the what's the use, but the word of God wants us to press in. Because those who get the most prayers answered most of the time are those who are like that lady in the Luke chapter 18 that wouldn't quit. And the unjust judge said, I'm going to give her what she asked because she's going to wear me out with annoyance. And the Amplified Classic says, lest she strangle me. And then Jesus said, now hear what the unjust judge said, will not my father... Bring forth justice speedily. But, but when I come, will I find persistence of faith on the earth? And we've talked about persistence a lot because here's the truth. Those who persist the most receive the most. So are we persistent people? I am determined to, as much as possible, wear God out with my prayers. And how long do you do that? Well, you know the acronym PUSH. Pray until something happens. I think labor and delivery is a wonderful example of that. I really do. How many of you during transition, now I'm only talking to those that did not have an epidural. Those of you who did the natural, except Michelle, because she spits babies out. It's ridiculous. I've told her she has not read Genesis 3. But those of you, how many of you had a baby beside Michelle? 
and you had no anesthesia, nothing. You just cold turkey rod, okay. Gosh, what is wrong with you? <laughs> no, I just hurt just hearing that. All right, so how many of you that were courageous enough to do that, when you got, went through transition, you just thought, I'm quitting? Okay, I see some hands. I did that before I went into labor. Just thinking about it. I can remember before I gave birth to my second, I just said, I just, I'm going to go home. I don't want this baby. <laughs> Talk about abandonment. But you can't stop. When you get there, you can't stop. You have to go ahead and finish the birthing. But we do that in prayer all the time. We just give up. It's taken too long. It hurts too bad. Contractions are too painful. Just somebody give me a shot. Give me a pill. Give me anything. Just get me out of this pain. And so we quit. And if you quit and you give up, you give in. So let me read you some Old Testament scriptures, and then we'll do some New Testament scriptures. I'm not going to keep you long today. I just want to prove the point. This, is, this one's my favorite, by the way. 2 Kings 20, verse 5. Now, Hezekiah was very sick, and he was going to die, just to give you a background. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. What a marvelous verse. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. And guess what? I'm actually going to heal you. You don't deserve it. I mean, you brought this on, but I'm still going to heal you. It's my favorite. Psalm 66, 18 through 20. Now, when I read this, remember one thing. Jesus bore our iniquity. So we're not going to be charged with the penalty of the sins of our forefathers. And remember, iniquity is a crook. It's that crooked place in you that makes you want to do wrong. The Bible says Jesus was bruised for our iniquities when they beat him in the garden. What is a bruise? You bleed how? Internally. Then, before he ever went to the cross, he bore our iniquities because iniquity is what causes you to want to sin. Psalm 66, 18 through 20. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me, but... Certainly God has heard me. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not rejected my prayer nor removed his mercy and loving kindness from being as it always is with me. Psalm 6, 9 and 10. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord receives my prayer. Now, listen, this is King David and he went through a lot of stuff. So much so that at one point he acted insane in front of a king Abimelech. He feared for his life. He acted like a crazy man. He made himself froth at the mouth. Drool is going down his beard and he's acting insane. And so Abimelech didn't want a crazy person, drove him out. David went and found a cave. His not so mighty man's go, men go with him into this cave, the cave of Adullam. And it was there that he wrote Psalm 34, a psalm I love. 
where he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That cave became a cathedral of praise. And he said, the Lord has heard. Psalm 18, 6, in my distress, when seemingly closed in, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God. He heard my voice and my cry came before him to his very ears. Wow, pal, my mouth, God's ears, just like that. Psalm 34, 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord turns his back on them. The Lord's too busy. Don't bother him. Don't trouble the master. Isn't that what the disciples said to the blind man? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Don't trouble the master. Jesus said, bring him here. What do you want me to do for you? Well, isn't it obvious? I mean, I would have said, well, isn't that obvious? I'm blind. <laughs> but Jesus required a statement of faith. Lord, that I may receive my, fight, my sight. Well, as you have believed, so be it done unto you. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their distress and troubles. We see this over and over and over again in the miracles of the Bible. Isaiah 30, 19. O people who dwell in Zion, you will weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. You need to take these scriptures when you're doubting God hears you. You need to take them and send them back to heaven. Isaiah 65, 24, and it shall be that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. I love it. I can't tell you how many times before I even called, he answered me. It's a good thing, too, because, you know, I would have ended up in destruction. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. All of you know this scripture. You could say it with me, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil to give you hope in your future outcome. Then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear and heed you. And you will seek me, inquire for and require me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will release you from captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and all the places to which I've driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. When? When you call out to him, he will hear you. And this one is awesomely cool. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty and fenced in and hidden things which you do not even know. When? When you call, he will answer you. I've told this story. I is so dear to my heart. I homeschooled my children for years. I, too many, I'm pretty sure. And so after, I mean, I spent all morning teaching them. And after that, I would go, and I still had a baby. I still had Courtney. She was little. And I would say, now, I'm going to go pray, and I don't want to be bothered. Because I had to pray just to recover. <laughs> you know, I had Kelly, who asked every question in the universe, most of which I couldn't answer. And Katie, who slept through most of what I was saying. <laughs> And Courtney, who could not have cared less. And I needed to refuel. And I would go, and in those days, I would just spend hours on my knees. 
and I, I would kneel by my bed and I would put my face in my bed and just block out every distraction and pray. One day, I, had, I was in that position, kneeling, facing in my bed, and I heard Kelly's voice going, yes, Mom. And I thought, this better be good. And I looked up and I said, yes? She said, yes, Mom. And I said, I didn't call you. And she goes, oh, I thought you did. And she turned around and started to walk out. And I said, thank you for calling me, coming when you thought you heard my voice. Put my head back in my bed. And the Holy Spirit said to me, that's how I feel. I will never rebuke you for thinking you heard me and making a mistake. And that was a monumental time in my life. It really was because, you know, I had this concept that if I didn't dot every I and cross every T, I was going to get knocked across the room because that's how I grew up. And you know that your neurological system, I mean, your whole self-worth is formed from the time you were born till you're 12 years old. And your whole self-image neurologically is formed from the time you were 12 until the time you were 20 years old. That's why we have to go back and allow the Holy Spirit to search us and see if there be any hurtful way in us and lead us in the everlasting way. All right. Now let's go to the New Testament, read a few scriptures. I'm just going to let the Word teach you. 2 Corinthians 6.2. For God says in the time of favor of an assured welcome, I have listened to and heeded your call. I have helped you on the day of deliverance. Behold, now is truly the time for a gracious welcome and acceptance of you from God. Behold, now is the day of salvation. When? When he listens and heeds your call. He's not ignoring you. He hears you. 1 Peter 3, 12. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who practice evil to oppose and frustrate and defeat them. But not to us who are in right standing with God because of Jesus Christ. His ears pay attention to our prayers. And this one is the one that is a huge promise to me. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence, the assurance, and the privilege of boldness which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, listen to this, we are sure that if we ask anything and make any request according to his will in agreement with his own plan, how do I know his will? Look at Jesus. Jesus said, behold, I've come to do your will. Everything Jesus did is the will of the Father. You can be assured. Anything Jesus did is the will of the Father. Now, there are things that, you know, who do I marry? What job do I take? Those things are more subjective. Sometimes the Lord will be very specific. This is it. This is the way. Walk in at other times, he'll say, well, it really doesn't matter. I see people just strain at gnats. They're just so concerned. I remember one day we had two events that we were invited to, and oh, my goodness, you know, I just wasted my prayers. Lord, do I go to this one? Do I go to that one? Do this one or this one? This one or that one? This one? What do I do? And I was just straining over it. The Lord said, doesn't matter your choice 
I mean, not everything you do is going to charge your destiny, people. I mean, there are things that do. So we are assured that if we make any request in his will, he listens to and hears us. I'm going to read it again. This is the confidence I have in him. I am sure that if I ask anything according to his will, he listens to and hears us. And if we positively know he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled knowledge that we have granted as our present possession the request made of him when? Before you ever have it. If I know he's heard me, do you see what the problem is if you don't believe God hears and answers you? Because you have to know with settled and absolute knowledge that he hears you. And then you have the request. All right, John 15, 15. I do not call you servants anymore. A servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you my friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. Jesus heard from the father and imparted it to us. And then he said, you're my friend. So I told you I wasn't going to keep you long. Last week, I went to a recital, piano recital. Kelly, my daughter, teaches piano at, at Cornerstone School, and I went to hear the first recital her students did. And, and I was in the elementary building, and if you look up, if you've ever been in, you look up, I think there's a sky. It's a blue sky. What did you tell me? It's morning, right? Or something like that. There's a blue sky. And I'm looking up at this sky. I don't know why. And I was praying, and I heard the voice of the Lord, because I'm going to tell you what our problem is a lot of the times and why we struggle with, did God even hear me, or why has my prayer not been answered yet? And I heard the Lord say these words, four words, slaves beg, king's decree. Four words, slaves beg, king's decree. And I realized immediately we spend so much time with a beggar's heart, even if we don't realize it, or an orphan spirit, instead of that divine connection. I am a child of God. I am a daughter of the Most High God. He is my father, and I am his friend. You know, when you grow up, your children are not just your children. I mean, if you have a healthy relationship with your children, they're your friends, I mean, my daughters don't call me mommy anymore. I mean, it's okay if you're grown up and you do. But they don't call me mommy anymore. They call me mom. They're grown up. They're mature. They have children of their own. But we spend so much time with that detachment instead of being attached and realizing because he's a king, I'm a king. So I'm going to close with just giving you a few scriptures and asking you a question. Are you a slave or are you a king? Because kings decree. Kings don't feel sorry for themselves. Kings do not have pity parties. Kings rule and kings reign. And so, you know, in Ephesians 2, 6, I'm going to start there. This is our position of authority. He raised us up together with Christ he made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere in Christ Jesus. 
So our position is, I am seated with Christ. I'm not below. I'm certainly not above. I'm not under his feet. The enemy's under mine. I've been raised up, seated with Christ. Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Ephesians, or excuse me, Revelation 1, 5, and 6. Jesus Christ, the faithful and trustworthy witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him whoever loves us and has once and for all loosed and freed us from our sins by his own blood. I pray this every morning over my family. Lord, thank you that you ever love us and you have once and for all loosed and freed us from our sins by your own blood. And you has, have formed us into a kingdom, a royal race and priest to our God. To him be the glory, power, majesty, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Pray that every morning over our family. He's formed us into a kingdom. What are you acting like? Like an orphan? Like a slave or like a king, a royal race. 1 Peter 2, 9. You, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased and special people that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light as a royal priesthood. A chosen race. Our job is to display him in our earth. You know, if the only reason we got saved by the blood of the lamb was to go to heaven, then the minute you give your heart to Christ, you would die. No, we're supposed to occupy till he comes. We're to let men see our good works and glorify our father in heaven. We're to let our light shine before men. I want to live out the fullness of my days. And, you know, I love what Rick says, die empty. I don't want to die with still a, a lot of things God had for me to do, and I just didn't get it done because I spent so much time feeling sorry for myself and like a victim. And Rick always quotes Dr. Phil. I don't watch Dr. Phil, but I think this is a very powerful quote. I had somebody calling me the other day. I barely know the person. I don't even, I mean, I didn't know they had my number. And just for one hour, she said, I just needed somebody to talk to. I just needed someone who would listen to me. And I listened to her victim story for a whole hour. I said, well, I have one thing to say to you, and this is Dr. Phil quote. You can either be a victim or a volunteer. Uh, the first time you were a victim, now you're a volunteer. And she's, it was like, lights! She went, oh, my gosh, that's the best thing I've ever heard. Now, she could have gotten mad at me. But you know, the truth you hear and receive and do is the truth that'll set you free. And I said, so my counsel to you is quit being a volunteer. First time you're a victim, after that you're a volunteer. I have plenty of reasons to feel sorry for myself on many occasions. I just refuse to do it. Why? Because I've been raised up and made to sit down with Christ. Romans 5.17 for because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. What do you have to do? Receive it. The Greek word receive means to take it. Lord, I take your overflowing grace. I cannot earn it. There's nothing I can do to add one millimeter to your sacrifice. I'm taking it, Lord. I'm taking your grace, and I'm going to receive. I do receive that I am in right standing with God through Jesus Christ. 
not by my own merit, not by my obedience to the demands of the law, but because of your sacrifice. You've got to renew your mind. Renew your, every day I have to renew my mind, renew my mind, renew my mind. Slaves beg, kings rule. That's all there is to it. Colossians 1.13. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and dominion of darkness, and he's transferred us into the kingdom of his son, the son of his love. The, t- the passion says he has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, Since king's decree, what does that word mean? You've got to know the power of decree. The word decree means an official order issued by a legal authority. An official order issued by a legal authority. Job 22, 28. You shall also decide and decree a thing, and it will be established for you, and the light of God's favor shall shine on your way. I had, um, this was February 9th, and I meant to bring it, and I didn't. Sandy, oh well. On February 9th, my sister departed earth on February 11th. On February 9th, a woman in another city that I haven't talked to since last year, I think, contacted me, and she said I was taking a walk and I had to move over to the side of the road. The Lord showed me a bird flying out of the nest, and he quoted Matthew 6 to me, how much God cares for the birds of the air. And she said, the Lord wants me to tell you how much he cares for you and that he's got you. This is February 9th. Kathy departs on February 11th. And I think, I'm thinking that she was well aware. I have another friend that lives in the same city. I just figured she told her, and I thanked her. I thought that was really sweet, blah, blah, blah. And then on February, did I write it down? This was after Kathy moved to heaven. It was February 15th, I think, or 14th. From somebody else in another city, I get a text. And it actually had a scripture in it, and it was from the Passion, it was from Proverbs, and I I can't quote it to you right now. Like I said, I was going to bring it. If I remember, I'll bring it next week. But it it was about kings ruling and decreeing authority. And I thought, well, how sweet. What a comforting thing to receive after my sister's departure. But you know what I found out? Two different times. Neither of them knew anything. Neither of them knew Kathy was even sick. They had no idea. None. None. You know what that was? God heard the cry of my heart. He knew I needed encouragement. I'm seated with him. I'm a king. I receive the overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness. And he'll do that for you. He'll reach out to you in your dark hours. Because we're going to have dark hours. I don't like those. You know, we're all going to have Gethsemane. And I wasn't going to tell the story, but I'll close with it because I just like it. Many years ago, and by many years ago, I was 37, 38, 39. I'm getting ready to turn 70. So do the math. I went through one of the darkest periods of my life. It was horrific. 
And on one particular day, I honestly thought if God did not deliver me, I would die. I don't have time to go into the story. I'm just telling you what happened. I literally thought I would die. And I went and I sat in my room. I had a love seat in my room at the time. I, I can still see myself right there. And I picked up the phone. And I remember I called Pam. And a voicemail answered. Thanks for being there when I needed you. And I called somebody else. I got a voicemail. And I was just right where I started this message. God, you don't hear me. I am so desperate. Do, do you not know I'm going to die if you don't deliver me? But all of a sudden, like a mighty roar, like the roar of restore. I cried out the name of Jesus from in here. I've never to this day in all my life said his name the way I said it on that day. I could not replicate it if I tried. And I'm telling you the truth, instantaneously, immediately, everything lifted. My circumstance didn't change. It was something that had happened outside of my family that was extremely hurtful. I mean, devastatingly hurtful. That didn't change, but I did. And I felt light and joyful, and I got up and I went and made my family a Thanksgiving dinner during the summer because I was so thankful. Sometime later, my mother was having a garage sale at a building she owned. And she wanted me to come. I, don't, I, can't, I know some of you get great deals. I can't stand garage sales. But I went for my mother, and when I got there, I parked in the parking lot of this building, and my mother came running out, and she was frantic. She said, oh, my gosh, Sandy, a possum got hit by a car. And I'm like, good. Sorry, I'm sorry, Pita. I don't like possums. And then she said, and she had babies after she was hit. So my mother drags me out. And right there, there were all these baby possums. And they were scrambling, I mean, desperate to nurse. It was sad. And they were blind, and they would get to their mothers. I don't know what you call it on a, it's not an udder, I'm sure, on a possum, but whatever it was. Huh? Their her teats? That doesn't sound nice. <laughs> all right, you know what we're saying. So they got to her to nurse. And when they finally got to her to nurse, they calmed down. But she was dead. And so often we latch onto things that are dead. And we might receive temporary comfort, but it won't last. So after my experience, I remember I was scrubbing grout. How many of you love to scrub grout? I don't like to do that. I was scrubbing grout, and I was thanking the Lord because I was so joyful. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you that you delivered me from darkness. You delivered me from depression. You delivered me from the pit of destruction. Jesus, thank you, and I'm praising him, praising him, praising him. And I heard his voice, and this is what he said to me. When you cried, I couldn't help myself. Isn't that what El Shaddai does? 
the all-breasted one, the God who is more than enough. When you cry, he hears you. He can't help himself. Amen? Amen. 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 This is what he said to me this morning, and I promise I've closed now. Get off the ground and pick up your crown. It's time to reign and walk in heavenly plains. I just heard that when I was praying. So get off the ground and pick up your crown. Father, just thank you that you hear our prayers. And when the righteous cry, you hear and you deliver us. And Lord, we just repent of and renounce any lie that you don't, or that you're too busy, or that you are an absentee father. You are a very present help in trouble. Father, I pray for everyone in the hearing of my voice that you will do for them exceeding abundantly above all they ask or think according to the power that works within them. Show us, teach us how to rule with you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.